if the Browns weren't so COVID hit, um, I I could really see them um, being able to to win this. But I I I, I just think the the Steelers will will have enough defensively. This I think the Steelers will will edge uh, a really really uh, close game. They haven't won a playoff game in 27 years since 1994, back a long long time ago. So for me, it's going to be a similar scenario, one and done. Steelers will win. Um, I don't see it being as close as people think. I actually think the Steelers will put up a game tonight and win comfortably. Have not produced a winning football team, and I can't honestly see them winning this football game. And 1994 and the Bill Belichick coach, Cleveland Browns, was probably the last time the Browns have won a playoff game. Why can't the Browns shock the world tonight? Why can't they run the ball like hell? Bar that game against the Jets, but they have barely turned the ball over all year. So why can't they? There's no reason why they can't win this game. I'm telling you, boys, you just, you gotta believe here. Look, the Steelers for me have been playing as if they wanted to be in the playoffs at the start of December. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And it doesn't matter how old or whatever Ben Roethlisberger is. For me, I just have a feeling Baker Mayfield to have good morning football talking about him for the next two months. Uh, people in the States love this. If Baker was to play well tonight and knock Big Ben out, it would be amazing. Don't worry, we're here. It's all good. Welcome to the Irish NFL show uh, presented by our friends in partnership over at Pundit Arena. A good night last night for some boys. Uh, we're here with Colm. Also, we're here with Brian One and Don O'Leary. And we're also here with Mark. Lads, <laughs> welcome in. A late night tonight, but uh, a good night all the same. Yeah, what a what a weekend of uh, great games, uh, surprises, plenty of niggle, some great plays, just everything you'd want from a wildcard weekend. Michael, I did say we could have a surprise. I just didn't think it was going to come <laughs> in that game. You, know, <laughs> you did say that at the end, to be fair. Fair play, G. You stuck with him. You did. Um, Michael, I mean, the, the, the Book of Lamentations is a collection of uh, poetic laments for the destruction of Jerusalem, if you read up on your Bible. And I do lament the fact that I did not pick the, the Cleveland Browns to win. However, I do wonder, is Cleveland still standing? Because if you were watching that game last night, you know, nuclear power plant uh, operators were leaving. Um, you know, firemen were turning off the bells to watch that game. I mean, Cleveland Browns fans, Cleveland is silly. My God, you've deserved it. And what a game, beating your arch rivals, beating the hated Pittsburgh Steelers. And the way they did it was just super impressive to see. So congratulations, Cleveland, and I'm glad to be wrong. And we'll obviously talk about that game in a second. What what a night for Cleveland! Obviously, first time since two thousand and two in the playoff game. I think that nineteen ninety something. Brian as well since the win as well. So a good start, a bit of crack as well. I I got a feeling, boys. Obviously, uh, I've got a feeling that the next week's going to be good crack in the show as well. And um, going into Sunday's games and and really briefly, lads, looking at last night's games. You know, it was an interesting even column because obviously that first game was a great game. A little bit of a layout in the second one, but obviously, I mean, my God, that last game was unbelievable. The Browns and Steelers. I know it was almost over as a contest in the first quarter column, but was there anything out of those three games that stood out for you last night? Um, there was something in, in all of them. I think, obviously, look, we talked about the, the Ravens-Titans and the need to stop Derrick Henry. And did they stop Derrick Henry? 40 yards? 
Um, they absolutely uh, shut him down. Um, really fascinating game. Um, the, the narrative around Lamar Jackson never made sense. The kid is 23 years of age. Peyton Manning didn't win uh, a playoff game until he was 27. And, uh, you know, he turned out okay, as uh, I think Mark put it when we were talking to, to Peter King. Um, I, I still think the the dancing on the logo stuff uh, is silly, and I'm not alone in that. I saw Ed Reed uh, tweeting that out as well, and there is a, a true Ravens legend saying it. Um, it's going to that's going to be one to really interesting next weekend, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be uh, building up to that. Um, look, the the Browns delighted for them. Um, you could have done a collection, I think, of, of all of us saying whilst we we thought um, that the Steelers were going to win. I think every one of us said we were we'd love to see the Browns win it. This is a, a great story for the Browns, for the league. Uh, 18, you know, not being in the playoffs for 18 years, not winning a playoff game in 26. Uh, first time, first year head coach, all that talk we hear about how people need time um, to, to build. Well, he's, sh- he's showing it there. Talk about overcoming adversity. Um, Peter King's story about the, their week in charting, it was absolutely fascinating. Um, and yeah, look, as a, as a Broncos fan, when you saw that first snap, you knew what was coming. You knew that there was no coming back from it for the Steelers. It just throws everybody off. Everyone on offense is, is rattled by it. Uh, so fair play to, to the Browns. They're really good if they if you make a mistake um in that first quarter as the titans can attest to they can really take advantage so that was a great way to round off what was a, a really excellent weekend uh, of uh, of games yeah and the ravens game we touched on yesterday but the fact that jackson has played two playoffs games and he, he was under pressure now because he needed to get over the hump in terms of winning a playoff game but the Ravens themselves over the past four to five weeks have come together as a team. We've discussed it. You know, they've literally they've literally been playing playoff football for a month. And they were down early. They were down by 10 points. And we've seen the Ravens in games in the playoffs the last few years where they've been down early and the game has got away from them. So I was actually more impressed. Yeah, defensively, they, they stood up to Henry, 40 yards. He couldn't get anything going. But it looked like everything was going Tennessee's way. The Jackson interception which was a poor throw. But in fairness to Jackson, you know, he was held in check for something like 15 to fifteen to 16 yards before he went off on that 47-yard run for the touchdown. And from there, it, it looked, they just re-energized. And, um, <clears throat> you know, what was weird in the game was to see Justin Tucker miss a, f- a field goal. He did 48 field goals in a row in the fourth quarter in overtime without missing them. So I thought that was going to come back to bite him. But no, I think it's a big step in the right direction. And I certainly think for the Bills, I don't think the Bills would have fancied playing the Ravens. I think that's they would have gladly taken the Steelers next week, albeit that's not the case now. But uh yeah, the Ravens, it's not a good it's not a good matchup for me for the Bills. And then on to the second game. I mean, you know when you get these people who are kind of half interested in the NFL and they ask us, well what's it really like? And we say, Oh it's fantastic. You just have to get to understand the game and then you'll really enjoy it and watch Red Zone. And then there's people that watch a game and say, How do you love that sport? And that game last night just didn't live up to anything that we expected. I think the most impressive moment of the game was actually the last play of the game. Jimmy Graham's <laughs> touchdown, and then he slipped off for his bat very quickly. But the Saints took care of business. And in the last game, yeah, I didn't see it coming. I felt the Steelers haven't had the rest. Would have been better prepared. But yeah, Colin, you notice it had shades of that first play in Super Bowl 48 where the uh, Peyton Manning pushed the ball out of the end zone for the safety where the snap went over his head. And from there, they just never recovered and they imploded. First team in playoff history to score 28 points in the first uh, quarter. you got to give it to the Browns. Mark, a very good evening. Obviously, the Irish Titans in the comments who have went through a very hard 24 hours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, the Titans, it was very strange. The Titans, actually, that first quarter, first half, I felt were falling into the same trap as the Colts the, week before, uh, the day before. They weren't converting they had a great opportunity to go 14 nil up um they didn't convert they wanted to put that scoreboard pressure on the ravens 
even still, two minutes, 43 to go. They're up 10-3. Ravens are facing a third and nine. And as Brian said, Lamar Jackson does what Lamar Jackson can do and was utterly electric. I mean, that in itself, yes, he didn't have the most magnificent day throwing the ball, as we know he sometimes doesn't. But uh, he's such an electric runner and stimulated them to that victory. Yes, Derrick Henry was shut down. Um, I question in some places the decision to punt by the Titans in the fourth quarter. I question some of Vrabel's uh, and the offense and Arthur Smith's play calling, um, which is disappointing given they've had such a great offensive season. But credit to the Ravens. And look, if you're a Raven on behalf of Raven fans in the UK, Ireland, all around Europe, I would say, you know, quoting Shylock, if you like, allow me to bastardize Shakespeare for a moment. You know, I am a raven, hath not a raven eyes, hands, senses, passions, dimensions, pa- uh, dimensions. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, do we not revenge? And by God, they got their revenge on the Tennessee Titans yesterday. Um, the second game, look, the Bills defense kept them in the game for so long. They were stifling the Saints. They just needed one offensive um you know, possession, one degree of semblance of normality. And my God, with the trick play, arcing in the air, Sims straight into both hands. I mean, again, if I can quote Shakespeare, if, yeah, the fourth, and I love the Aristotle's comment, the most cowardly punt in history. Yeah, it's up there. It's I wouldn't say that strongly, but it was definitely one you're questioning, why are you doing this? There was some other questionable punts over the weekend, actually, as well, but definitely that one stood out. But on the Bears, that Sims drop. I mean, if you're a Bears fan, you are literally saying, is that a dagger I see before me? Because if it is, I want to stab myself with it pretty soon. Um, that, the offsides jump, again, like we saw in the Colts-Bills game, was just inexcusable. And it was a it was a nothing game from a neutral fan perspective, but fair play to the Saints. They did the necessary. Bears, you know, Bears fans, I feel sorry for you. And then... Michael, I mean, Jesus, can we only talk for an hour tonight? I could talk about this game. I could talk about the, the, that whole experience. <laughs> you know, Brian said there's, you know, 28 points. I, I'm a Pats fan. I've seen the Patriots score 35 points in a quarter before. I've never seen them do it in the first quarter. I've never seen, even in a regular season, I don't remember a team off the top of my head scoring 28 points in a quarter. Talk about banishing the ghosts of playoff past, banishing the ghosts of Ben Roethlisberger. 23-2-1 against Cleveland in his career. And he's there getting destroyed. He's getting four interceptions. But it's the whole build-up to it. They're there with no head coach, missing many of their, their, you know, their coordinators and their coaching staff, missing Joe Batonio, who we said, hey, that I said that's going to impact their offensive line. Sure, by the end of the first half, they'd lost Dunn, they'd lost Conklin, they ended up Wills, Hans, Tretter, Teller, and Lamb. Their own mothers couldn't pick out some of those players, in fairness. So the offensive line, the performance across the ball by Cleveland, just chapeau, just unbelievable. Just on the Steelers, Michael, what I found in the second half was slightly strange. The fact that they rallied, they came back within 12 points, they got the ball back. I wouldn't say they had all the momentum, but they certainly looked like they were going in the right direction. And I think it was a 4 and 2, 4 and 3, first play of the fourth quarter when they switched around. They punted and they actually tried to draw the Browns offside by moving players around, eating up the play clock, taking the penalty in the end. Surely he's got to be going for that play. You know, you're down by 12, last quarter potentially of the season. If you do score, you're then down by five. You're putting the Browns under pressure immediately in the, on the next drive. It was a bizarre call. It was a strange one. And I think whilst we talk about Big Ben and the players who haven't delivered over the past few weeks, I think Tomlin over the past month hasn't done very well in terms of managing the games from the sideline. They were unbeaten at one point. They were unbeaten at one point and now they're gone. But, I mean, Michael, that's the weirdest thing. Like, last week, not many months ago, last week with their backup quarterback, they only lost by two points away. And then they get shellacked uh, by this Browns team. But it's not about the the Steelers. It's about the Browns. The end of the half, you know, Steelers get that touchdown. And you're not worried, worried. But you've got 28-7. Jeez, are Browns going to do strange Browns things here? And they put together a drive. Hooper in the back corner of the end zone. Put another seven points on the board. And you just realize, no, whatever they throw at them, 
they're going to throw back. Nick Chubb's 40-yard catch and run, or a run in the uh, the fourth quarter as well to really help seal it. The two field goals, dra- drafting um, seven minutes off the clock nearly. It was anything they needed, they were pulling out. I mean, I don't fancy them against the Chiefs, I'm just going to say that now, but still, they deserve to enjoy this moment, and they deserve to enjoy a fantastic performance. Yeah, it's look, it's, it's everything that this sport should be about is watching your team, you know, do the unexpected and and fair play. And while we're being, you know, um, critical of some coaching decisions, one coach who I think deserves massive praise is Harbaugh with the Ravens. Um, he now holds the record for um, road wins in the playoffs. Um, he he broke. He was tied with uh, with Tom Coughlin and Tom Landry, I believe. Um, he now has eight. But what I thought was really impressive there was. Um, as the lads have said, they were down and there was all this talk that the, the Ravens aren't built to come from, from behind, but they they learned from their mistakes last year. Last year, they went away from their identity. They went away from the run. This year, they, they stuck with it and they stuck to the game plan and, and it proved fruitful for them. And I think um, kudos to, to Harbaugh. He has done an immense job there. Um, there was some ridiculous talk a few years ago that they might move on from him. Um, Boy, what a, a couple of years they, they have had there and in for a fascinating game next weekend. There is uh, some of the comments coming in here, lads. All the Browns fans are popping up. Uh, John Cal, Browns fans know this is over for after. Yeah, it was over after the first quarter, absolutely. Uh, fun fact, before I get my stage to talk, now I've been waiting 20 minutes, boys, I'm only joking. Um, basically, I fell asleep. Both late game, Saturday, Sunday night. I fell asleep after the first quarter last night. I fell asleep in the Tampa Bay game. I'm trying. I'm getting worried for next week. I am getting worried. Really quickly, how do I sum this up? Well, the video will go up before I click that. I click the video again. You know it's 10 o'clock at night, boys, don't you? Big time. Like, uh, here we go. Right. So, obviously, that Tennessee Titans game, for me, was the big standout. It was the best game of the day by a country mile. Take away from, the obviously, the Browns' performance was superb. But that Browns, sorry, that uh, Ravens and Titans game is incredible. And let's get quite clear here. Even though Lamar Jackson did throw interception, 179 yards passing, 136 yards rushing. That is unbelievable in a playoff game. And for me, Marquise Brown was a standout as well. But J.K. Dobbins only got 43 yards. Like, I mean, <laughs> Lamar Jackson is three times the amount of yards as um jk dobbins did in terms of rushing so it's incredible in that sense now um i'm not going to talk about the second game it's not worth talking about we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about the last game lads look the the browns were unbelievable that game was over after the first quarter and as i said and i said it yesterday and i'll say it again that steelers team checked out when they went to cincinnati they didn't respect Cincinnati. They got their ass handed to them, and they never recovered from that. And it was quite clear last night. It was like watching Colin uh, Peyton Manning in his second or third last home game in his career. Ben Roethlisberger, he's done. He will not be there next year. I think it's a forty-one million dollar extension. Um, for me, that's not going to happen. Really quickly before we move on, I think Mark made a comment there on the Browns. Why can't the Browns go to Kansas? Because Kansas are another team. KC are another team that, yes, they have an incredible quarterback, an unbelievable roster, but they have a big head. And they are already sitting there next week going, we're going to beat this team. And that team has just absolutely destroyed the Steelers. So why can't the Browns win next week? It might happen. It's like, okay, it's we, not in the realms of possibility at the minute, but it could happen, boys. I mean, 99 out of 100. We can definitely talk more about that. But, I mean, like, it has been a while since we've had a rank underdog make the Super Bowl. You know, think back to maybe the Cards or even the Giants, two Super Bowl runs, like the really unexpected wild card going all the way to the Super Bowl. We've had the Jags and the Titans in the AFC Championship game, but no one got – so maybe, maybe, Michael, your feeling is right. Maybe it's the Browns. Maybe they're going to defeat your – beloved bills and uh they're gonna make it all the way to tampa there which would be a nice quandary for you but actually one final point on this the one thing i will say is um there's been angst in afc generally for the last should we say 10 years to say it's always peyton manning ben roethlisberger tom brady last year was the first afc championship game since time immemorial when one of those three was not in it this year the last four teams in the afc 
we have two 24-year-olds and two 25-year-old quarterbacks. They've all got between 44 and 46 career games. I don't know about you boys, and I would rather one than play for the Patriots, in fairness, but that is a hell of a look, good thing to look forward to for the next 10 or 15 years or so, those four quarterbacks growing and maturing together. Michael, you, you say the Chiefs are sitting there thinking, oh, we, we have this game won next week, and they're being cocky, or whatever word you want to use. They're not being cocky, Mike. They're 14 and won with Mahomes this season for a reason. They are the standout team in the league. They've just come off the Super Bowl, and they've come back, and yeah, they may not play to the standards this season that we saw last year, but they've still gone 14 and won with Mahomes. They're at home playing against the Browns team, who were the six seed. Fine, they've gone and broken the course against Pittsburgh. The Chiefs have had two weeks off. They've actually had three weeks off, potentially, because they didn't put many players out against... Well, that can swing both ways, because they might come out next week and yeah. be cold. Or they can come out and be very fresh, and they come out being very fresh even now, a few days before we do picks. It's hard to see how the Browns could keep up with them. But we'll see how we, we'll see how we go. Yeah. And one final, final thing on the Browns, Michael. I disagree that it was all over by the end of the first quarter. The Steelers did get 37 points in the end. The Browns, as I said, had to fight, fight, fight the whole way through. And like I said, the Hooper thing, the Chubb run, that's the most impressive thing. It didn't matter what happened or what was thrown to them. When the Steelers got back to within 12 points and had the ball, the Browns' defense stood up. And Mike Tomlin did the second most cowardly punt of the weekend. Uh, on fourth and two in the fourth quarter, still down by two scores. Um, that was inexcusable in my mind, particularly the type of momentum game shift it could have uh, resulted in. But Brown's four quarters, everyone, every single man, woman and child, stand up, applaud, take the advantage and the benefit of what a great, great, uh, memorable playoff performance that was. Absolutely. Let's really quickly, because there's, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here, um, let's have a look at the AFC going into this weekend. Um, Ravens are going to Buffalo to play the Buffalo. Oh, that's going to be a hell of a game. Late game on the Saturday night for us. And then the Browns going into Arrowhead Stadium. And like Brian said there now, obviously they haven't played in three weeks. So let, let's see how fresh they are. Can't wait for that. Five past eight. Nice early game. I've seen Arrowhead's abroad column tweeting about it. They're all delighted. And then over in the NFC, uh, the Rams. <laughs> oh, this, this is what's so beautiful because the Chiefs and the Packers have had their time off. The excuses can't happen. It can't happen. And my God, boys, what a game on Sunday night. Like that is calling sick Monday morning stuff there. Like Brady going up against Breeze. It should be like, lads, call him. It should be like the WWE where the loser has to retire, like live on TV and stuff and do like a Hall of Fame sort of thing. That would be good TV, wouldn't it? Well, I, I think this is Drew Brees' last rodeo. Um, I have absolutely no doubt that Tom Brady will be back again um, next year. But it ne- next weekend like, like is shaping up to be a really fascinating um, one. I don't think you will see... like There were a number of rivalries this weekend. There was a lot of niggle between um, the Rams and the Seahawks and the, the Ravens and the Titans. You won't have that to the same extent next weekend, but you will have some really fascinating games. Um, uh, like I think Buffalo are fantastic on um, offense. I... I, I worry about their their lack of pass rush. I think that might be an, an issue for them. Um, the Chiefs, I, I don't think it's complacency, um, certainly amongst all of them. Uh, I, Tra- Travis Kelsey is is not complacent. Travis Kelsey is ridiculous in, in what he has been doing this season. But um, Mahomes sitting for that long, and given that his, his last game um, – was the the game against the Falcons, which I think he was was it fifty five percent? Was that was that what he was at? Um, which for Patrick Mahomes is like what what is that now? Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes, it will be it, he could respond to that by absolutely going off, and it that is one. But equally equally the, the browns the browns could win it but the chiefs are favorites for a reason um they just have so many weapons and they too have an andy reed um 
the for the Rams, for me, um, pe- people waking up to how good they are on uh, on defense, it, it would seem the the Jets' loss. I I still will never understand that. Um, but how fit is Aaron Donald? Because if he is fit, he he's going to to create havoc for the Packers. You heard Troy Aikman say that he believes that Donald is the best defensive player he's ever seen. Uh, And that's a guy who has been around a while and played with some pretty good defensive players himself. Um, But going to Lambeau isn't easy given the weather. One interesting thing, and this came up when we were talking with with, um, Darren Fletcher the other day, there was a stat I saw. There were more away, there were more road victories in the NFL this season um, than home victories, and there were more road wins um, in in the playoffs. So home advantage definitely not a a, a big thing um, this time this time around. So um, yeah, but look between now and when those games kick off, given the week that the Browns had, who knows where where we'll be come next weekend. Brian, uh, the the NBA are in trouble. COVID and stuff as well. It's breaking news there. Just there now. Obviously, the the obviously the NFL will be fine next weekend. Any quick thoughts ahead of these matchups? Yeah, well, on the the NFC side, it's well. I'll jump into the NFC first. Or do you want me to go away? See, um, no, yeah, it's, it's, the it's just around the Rams and the offense now. Like Goff came in on Saturday and played reasonably well, but we have to see how he reacts to the, the injury. Like he's still going to be playing with that that toe injury come the weekend. I do think uh, the Rams defense will slow up the Packers, but when they can slow up the Packers enough to allow the Rams offense to score enough points to beat the Packers in the end, I find that very hard to believe. But we'll see. Obviously, the, there is no Lambo factor outside of the weather being potentially an issue for the Rams. The most enticing game for me this weekend is going to be the Saints and the Bucks. You see Tom Brady yesterday was already tweeting about it. He was putting out, you know, little side mess around who he wants to play. Obviously, he's seeking revenge against the Saints because having played them twice in the, the regular season, they lost both games. And when everybody was giving Brady all the kudos going into that game in early November on Sunday night football, the Saints went in and blew them out. So they'll be gunning for revenge. The AFC side touched on it. I don't think the Ravens are a team the Bills would, would have fancied. I think it's going to be a very difficult game for them. And then if the Chiefs turn up fresh, you would expect them to win. But to the point, road wins upsets it's not been the season we've ever seen before with COVID so who knows what's going to happen um boys where, where do we start I suppose I'll, I'll start with the the Rams and Packers game as well you're saying there's no home advantage except for the weather well that's a pretty big advantage when you consider Jared Goff as the opposing quarterback he's played two NFL games in below freezing weather um and in those games he's got less than 50 percent completions he hasn't got a touchdown passing and he's got five interceptions. Like that's pretty damning in itself. Oh, by the way, the weather next week is predicted to be about minus six or minus seven. And oh yeah, he's playing with a thumb. He's just had surgery on again. Like he was not the same Jared Goff. He wasn't throwing the ball the same way. I'm damn sure it's going to be even worse um, when he gets up there. And Shawnee, I totally agree. He's been appalling in cold weather. That's why he plays in LA as well. Um, and he's very happy to play there. So that is going to be a factor. Donald's injury, Cup's injury, also a factor. But I want to give credence here and acknowledgement. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets compared a lot to this quarterback during his career. And I think this game is really important for him to establish his legacy and take that step further to kind of separate himself from this other quarterback into the future. Um, and, you know, all credit to him for the career he's had. Finally now, if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers win this game against the Rams, he will finally have more playoff wins than Joe Flacco. So that's that's a monumental piece for our Broadway quarterback. Um, anyway, that's my uh, trolling of the Packers this evening. Um, the Browns and uh, Chiefs, look, we <laughs> After last week, maybe I should say nothing, but I will say two storylines that are clear here. Um, Mahomes versus Mayfield, the only time they've ever met up before was Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. Just check out the box score for that game. Uh, Mayfield had seven TDs. Mahomes had 
I think five and one interception, but about 545 yards passing. Like if we see fireworks like that, we'll be very happy as fans. But the other storyline here is Kareem Hunt, who is trying to turn this into a, this is my revenge game. This is me getting back at them from having, you know, got rid of me and stuff like that. It's like, they let you go because of domestic abuse issues, mate. You really shouldn't be doing this and you really shouldn't be posting videos on Instagram. People have found out before, <coughs> Steelers fans, that's not a good idea and it tends to stir up the opposition. So um, that's a storyline to watch. Bills Ravens, so fascinating. Lamar, Josh Allen, you know, the Bills defense, I agree with Colin. Like they are not going to enjoy facing that rushing attack. But the Bills have performed at a very high level all season. The Ravens are definitely clicking at the moment. Either of them is going to give a great test to whoever wins the other side of the AFC draw. Notice I didn't say a team. I just said whoever wins. Um, but that that could be the game of the weekend. And, of course, the last one is the old men um, facing up against each other. The Bucks wide receivers generally shouldn't be so stupid to punch safety for the Saints again which Bears players have done now in two games this season um, so that might help to begin with um, but guys I mean you know neither of them have to prove their legacy we talk about people having to prove it Brady, Brady and Breeze don't have to prove anything they are you know bona fide Hall of Famers of course it very much looks like Breeze is on his last ride and would love to get a second ring of course Brady would like to get his seventh and really rub it in the face of Bill Belichick I'm sure um, it's we know what it's ahead. It's going to be cracking. The Saints' defense is better than the Bucks, but the Bucks will have Devin White back. And beating the same time three times in a year is not easy. Um, so we will see. But you know, get your popcorn out, boys, and Michael, stay up late, get some coffee into you. Be grand, Michael. Just we were talking about revenge factors over the past few weeks and dancing on on halfway lines and crests. And if you recall after that Sunday night football game when the Saints went in and gave the Bucks a good going over, they were celebrating big time in the dressing room. And uh, all the uh, cameras were out and all the all the dances and all the rest was put up on uh, Instagram and Twitter. So I'd imagine the Bucks would have looked at, looked at that situation back then and said, if, if we do get an opportunity again, more motivation. And for Brady, Mark's alluded to on the fact that he's looking for a seventh but imagine if he wins this one, this would be the most satisfying of all of his rings, you would have thought. Because you have to bear in mind what Jimmy Johnson once said to me on the blower. The only thing worse than a coach that says he cares is the one that pretends he cares. And that's how it ended in, in New England. They didn't really care about him in the end. So if he is to win a seventh, <laughs> it wouldn't be. <laughs> wouldn't, how satisfying would it be? <laughs> um. I'm not going to give Mark an opportunity to reply to that. No, no, let's move on. Michael. Let's move on. <laughs> the, I think the, I think I'll say two things. Um, it's quite obvious again that nobody in this chat or in this video call is giving the bills a chance next weekend. I can't wait to next no, weekend. No, 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 we're not letting you set the agenda like that. The Bills are a phenomenal offensive team. I have concerns around their pass rush. That doesn't mean that I don't think they can win next weekend. Imagine them. Um, imagine the Bills, Browns, AFC. It'd be like the 1980s all over again. Anyway, a couple more things. That Chiefs-Brown game is very interesting. If that game starts like the Atlanta game, the Chiefs are not winning that game. We'll come, we'll come back to that at the weekend. And finally, for me, that's the Inbox game of the season by a country mile. I This is the problem. Brady, if Brady doesn't win, he's not going to be bothered because he's got six rings. He's coming back next year anyway. You almost would like to see Drew Brees win it and get to another championship game and then get done on the fourth quarter of the championship game again. It would just be hilarious. Anyway. Let's, uh, let's move on, because there's been a lot of stuff in the NFL today, a lot of stuff in American sport today. You've got the NHL back tomorrow but, and the NBA in crisis with COVID, but in the NFL, it's all rosy, and we're in the playoffs. Um, Sorry, thanks for everybody's comments. Yeah, more, go ahead, go ahead. One more point on Brees. Um, not, nothing to do with the game. I thought it was absolutely hilarious the way after he scored a touchdown that wasn't given in the end, he's, he's coming up to the camera and basically screaming, blue thunder at the camera around get in there and all this gobbledygook and then the touchdown is overturned. I mean, make sure it's a touchdown before you start going off and celebrating in front of the cameras. 
Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely something that I was uh, interested in. But sorry, by the way, I blatantly pressed that because my wife went and got me a beer. Sorry, and Brian, you, you made you made a very very interesting point, which I'm sure is better highlighted on the podcast. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, however, you're not coming on, no. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's just go to the next story. Uh, that we're we're all going to take our team hats off for a minute because obviously, Brian, if you're not aware, after nine weeks, is a Giants fan. Uh, me and Colin support support mediocre teams, and Mark supports a team that's now finished. Like they're done. Uh, Doug Peterson is out. The man that brought me one of the best nights of my life, as a guy that doesn't like the Patriots, is out. In Philadelphia now, there's a couple of like. Let's start with you, Colin. This guy brought Philly its Super Bowl title in a year where they had serious confusion at quarterback, and he didn't just bring it to them. He absolutely he scored 41 points against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it hasn't worked the last couple of years. But do you really think that's the right decision from Phil, from Philly today? Uh, if I'm Philly, I, I'm looking at my general manager. I, I mean, Roseman is getting away with murder. Um, he look at their roster, and and they they are. And as a Broncos fan, um, you you look at it, we we have more young talent than the the Eagles do. They have an aging roster. They haven't drafted well. There was all the talk earlier in the season before. The, they ended up with the record that they did that, you know, there was a lot of unrest in, in the front office in the fact that they um, took Rieger over um, Justin Jefferson and, and going back um, the drafts over the last few years. Um, they, they have real issues on, on the roster there without even looking at the Carson Wentz situation. So to me, um it's pinning it all on the, the head coach, which I, I think is unfair. Um, obviously, it has been uh, a nightmare season. And um, they this doesn't come as a, an enormous surprise, uh, I suppose, in the... I have no idea what you put up, so um, maybe... This Adam Gies, head coach, I, Eagle. Adam oh. Gies is in talks, apparently. Oh, well, that, that, would, be, that would be quite something. Um, because... Uh, they might go the other way, and uh, Doug might end up with the Jets. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I suppose that the big thing. This wasn't a surprise. I mean, the talk um, was that their first meeting hadn't gone well between him and the owner. So um, this news today, and Ian Rappaport was very interesting when he was on the Pat McAfee show, and he said that he didn't think that um, Doug would have been quite as um, vocal and, and made as many demands if he hadn't something lined up. And then the Eagles owner has told reporters that he wouldn't be surprised if um, he got another um, head coaching job within a week. So all look, when when we had Jeff Reinbold on um, a couple of weeks ago, he said about all of the shenanigans that go on in the background at a franchise and the people who look to build their fiefdoms and loyalty and backstabbing. And um, probably it, I would say that it, it sounds like if you had uh, filmed this as the last season of Game of Thrones, it would have been much better than the actual ending. Well, the situ oh, situation has escalated more so because of what happened in week 17 in terms of the game and how the game played out. But to Colin's point, this has been going on all season. There's been trouble in the back, in the in general manager, the ownership in terms of how they move the team forward. And it's already come out in the past few hours that Wentz has, Wentz has a reprieve now because he may be kept on. Now, obviously, the, the contract situation would dictate a lot of that. But fundamentally, the, the issue, by all accounts, is where the, the quarterback situation. Who does, Pe who does Peterson want? Who does the general manager want? Who does the owner want? And we discussed it with Darren Fletcher the other night. The issue around if Hurts had won that game for them, the decision would have made would have been even more difficult. But um, look... We know where he's going. It's obvious. He's going down to the Jets. You know, it's not too far away. It's he'll be in green. He'll just be wearing a different green. He'll be the New York Jets head coach within a week. But uh, the Adam Gaze one is surprising. I didn't see that coming. 
So when you were a victorious Olympian or Roman general, so back in ancient Greek or Roman times, you would get crowns made of laurel wreaths as a sign of your wealth, success, and status. You would have generals who would return from a victorious campaign and would rest looking at their empire and enjoying and basking in the memories of their former glories. It is the actual origin of the expression, resting on your laurels. Doug Peterson, since he won a Super Bowl, has rested on his laurels. His teams and the Philadelphia teams have done nothing significant of note. They lucked into the playoffs the following year. Um, they, they haven't performed fundamentally. They haven't come even close to achieving the heights um, in that regard. And I question the statement that Doug Peterson won them a Super Bowl. Frank Reich won them a Super Bowl. You know, you, you really see the benefit of a head coach, in my view, um, in one of two ways. Either they deal with people who leave when they are successful and they get poached, like Sean McVay's doing in the Rams in terms of getting in um, his replacement uh, coordinator, Staley, um, Stanley, sorry, in replacement of Wade Phillips, or that they are the essence, regardless of coordinators, like someone like a Bill Belichick or an Andy Reid, who cares who leaves? They're the, the super glue in relation to it. Peterson's proved neither of those to be true. So I, I agree in one respect that, yes, the front office has let him down, but he's let Philadelphia down. And it is remarkable. Like, this is such a fall from grace. Um, this is, you know, stumbling down the steps of time, if you like, because go back three years, you would have thought there would be bronze bust enshrined to him, that, you know, you would do the rocky run up to the Philadelphia Museum of Modern Art and there would be a, a bust of Doug Peterson standing there, you know, maybe next to Nick Foles or something like that. It, and now he's, you know, yesterday's man. He's created a quarterback controversy. He hasn't had his team playing hard or playing well for him. There's plenty of former Eagles who are leaking and making commentary about his style and the, the essence he's created there. And obviously with Jeffrey Lurie, it has gone well. It has not gone well. And I just want to say it doesn't work out for these weasels. Uh, at the end of the day, Doug Marone weaseled his way out of the bills, got down to the Jags. What's he at the moment doing at the moment? He's unemployed. Doug Peterson, if we're to believe like he's kind of intentionally weaseling his way out of this, you know, it won't end well with him. We talked about Vishnu and karma coming back to bite. It's going to come again. And I know we're not talking about it at the moment, but also whatever is going on in Texas, sorry, Texas, Houston with the Texans. Uh, Colm, you mentioned Game of Thrones, Littlefinger. Jack Easterby, that is a dysfunctional front office, and that is seriously worthwhile of a whole series, I would say. Brian, we'll get uh, we'll, we'll we'll get Doug Peterson and Deshaun Watson on the show this weekend, yeah. No thanks, no thanks. There is a bronze statue outside the stadium with him and Foles. They can decapitate that now because Foles and Foles has been nothing since that Super Bowl, and Peterson has been nothing. And to Mark's point, you have to wonder now how much work was done in the background with Frank Wright because you've seen him leave Philly and go to the Indianapolis, and look what they've done offensively over the past few years. Even with Rivers this year, who's 39, they've been very, you know, aggressive in terms of an offense, and uh, the Eagles have just not done anything offensively since that Super Bowl. Um, I, I do think we're being a little a little harsh. The fact that Adam Gase is even in consideration tells you how dysfunctional things are in Philadelphia, okay? <laughs> Adam Gase is just beyond ridiculously bad. He ruined the Dolphins, okay? Absolutely ruined them. And he, I mean, the Jets were bad, but he made them just horrifically bad. Adam Gase, I mean, if we're talking about statues, I hope Adam Gase has a statue of Peyton Manning that he worships every day because Peyton Manning got Adam Gase paid. He got Eric Decker paid. He got Julius Thomas paid. Peyton Manning got guys, Peyton Manning put guys on his back, got them paid. Adam Gase, it's, uh, that will be I, I, and I like Philadelphia. I, I, I really like it as a city. Um, it's a, it's a great, great spot. If they hire Adam Gase, they deserve everything that is coming their way because that would be just, I mean, in, in a historically weird year, that would be a historically bad hire. Colin, I actually think it'd be a very good hire, in fairness. He um, <laughs> was the quarterback whisperer. He bought Peyton Manning a couple of copies, you know, and he got sold. <laughs> and I think to bring the Eagles forward in the NFC East, that would be the right heart. Boys, you can say what you want, but the reality is 
in all seriousness, you can't take this away from the Eagles boys because when it comes down to it, that lovely Sunday night in 2018 when everybody thought Brady had it wrapped up, he done nothing. He done nothing. And it was even better than that Rams game, even though the Patriots won, because this game was in grasp. And Peterson done it. Michael, Michael, he done nothing. Is that what you just said? What? No, 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 I didn't say that. I said Brady done nothing. Brady done nothing. He threw for more yards than they've been thrown for in any Super Bowl ever. He put three. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. I actually I don't, I don't agree, so I'm cutting you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. Hello, hello, her himmel. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, you can't say Brady done nothing in that, but yes, you can never take that win away. The Philadelphia Eagles 100% deserve that. I was just going to make one final point, which is the Eagles head coaching job now, it's absolutely hideous to look at. You've got a quarterback controversy. You've got no cap space. You've got an aging squad. As Collins alluded to, they don't have a great grasp of young talent there. Any talent they have keeps getting injured. So actually, Adam Gase is the right coach because if all he does is burn down teams, give it to him for two years, burn it all down to scratch and reboot it again. They did it with the 76ers in that city. So why don't you do it with the Eagles? So give it to the bug-eyed idiot who's the only person that Peyton Manning's made more money than Adam Gase is Papa John's, basically. Papa John. Better quality, better pizza. Joel, uh, jo- jo- Joel and Bede, Adam Gase. I love Philly. Philly Airport, boys, is a good spot, all I'm going to say. Can I say one thing before we talk about Deshaun Watson very quickly? You know, we had this conversation call with, with, with a few lads on Broncos Twitter. You know, would you take one Super Bowl in 10 years to have five or six years of absolute crap? I would. And fair play to them. And they've had it. Uh, anyway, Deshaun Watson, boys, is not happy. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, lads, there's no point in talking on the basis. We'll just, we'll just agree with this column. He's not happy in Houston. What's going to happen? Where is he going to go? Uh, I I think it it would work for for everyone if he was to, to head out of there because they are in cap hell. They have no first-round picks. They have no second-round picks. They have no wide receiving core. They have no defense. I mean, they're bad against the pass. They're bad against the the run. Um, the Texans have to do something. It has. It. I mean, if you keep Watson there, you have a, a quarterback who is really unhappy, um, and and you you've nothing to to put around him. Um, when um when they were putting UK cycling and and that Sky team together, um, Brailsford went to Alex Ferguson to ask for advice, and Alex Ferguson um, gave him one bit of advice uh, above all else: um, get rid of problems. I'll put it I'll put it like that. You can look up the the actual quote if you want, but get rid of problems was what uh, Fergie said. Um, Watson is go- Watson is a phenomenal player, and he's 25 years of age. But if he is if he's as unhappy as we're being led to believe, um, then divorce might be the the only answer to this. Um, he there would be no shortage of suitors absolutely none um almost you know a- anyone who had any questions around their their qb um would start looking at, at what they could do uh to try to entice him because he is a, a brilliant player the the talk has been uh, miami because they would be able to provide a, a young qb who the texans could build around and also provide picks um that would seem to make a, a lot of sense um but to to me when you look at everything that that's going on at, at the Texans um, if they could get the right haul it would allow them to rebuild and I know that you're trading away a franchise QB you'd have to get a young guy that you could build around Tua could potentially be the the guy for them there but to me they they have to do something because they can't go into mm-hmm. next season with just Sean Watson and nothing around him yeah, I see Declan was sending in a few comments who's a big Dolphins fan, so he'd be happy with what we're on with this, which is very similar to what Colin was alluded to. You offer Tua, you offer your three, you offer your 18, and potentially you offer your two this year as well. That would allow the Texans to get a quarterback in during a rebuild who's a young quarterback. You've got a third-round pick 
sorry, the tour pick in the draft, automatically upgrade there. You've got the 18 pick, you're going to get a good player there. And even if you get the second round pick, you've gone from having no first round, no second round, to having two firsts, a second, and a quarterback straight away who's had a year in the league. And the expectations on him in next season would not be high. If he stays in Miami, the expectation for the Dolphins next year with Tua will be for them to be challenging again to make the playoffs. To me, that just makes so much sense. I know Mark will probably want to have, have him going to New England, and they've got the cap space. But if you look at it realistically over all the teams in the league, the one that makes the most sense is for him to go to Miami. I, I think there's about, well, 20 teams in the NFL that would take Deshaun Watson in a heartbeat. Um, there's very few that would say, no, no, we're good there. Thank you very much. Um, but I, he's not going to Miami. He's not going to New England. He's not going anywhere. This is not the NBA. A star cannot force their way out of their team. He is locked in for enough years. They then have franchise control after that. And this will be a moment where ownership flexes its muscles and reminds him, no, you're under contract. You're a pro. You want to play. We will rebuild our relationship. We will rebuild our team. Yeah, next year won't be very good. And yes, we do have, as I alluded to, Peter Baelish sitting around in our, in our front office um, who is pulling all the strings, if you like. But look, we're bringing in Nick Casario, and he is a winner, and he has done great things in the Patriots before. So trust the process. Trust in us. They will maybe ship out J.J. Watt, which will be a dagger blow to the franchise in terms of the heart and soul. But can you afford to continue to pay him what you're paying him and get in the production? But Deshaun Watson, no. They will hold on to him through thick and thin, and he is going nowhere. Look, J.J. Watt, yeah, I'd imagine he'll be gone. But realistically, at this stage of his career, what are, what are they getting from? And, yeah, you say you stay here and we rebuild. Rebuild with what, Mark? They don't have any picks to rebuild with. Their yeah, cap space no, is limited. So, but, Brian, I'm not saying that he has a choice in the matter. I'm not saying that he's like, oh, bear I'm with it. It's like, you ain't going, buddy. See you later. I understand that. But the owner, at some stage, has to look at it realistically and say, well, he's the best player we have. You know, we can have him here for four or five years as the best quarterback looking around them or do we try build a team again and have a quarterback that potentially could be not a second tier quarterback in the league that's good enough to pay for the Texans can't wait for free agency to come along <laughs> I I would I, different sport but go back last summer arguably arguably and, and there will be plenty of arguments one of the greatest footballers to ever play the game wanted to change clubs he is he's been the heart and soul of his team since he was 11 13 however long he's he's been there uh, there was all sorts of dysfunction at that club he fell out with the the board he wanted out and mark you're, you're dead i think i could see the texans doing this but the texans could do what barcelona did with Lionel messi how has that worked out if a player is that unhappy and if you have that level of dysfunction and if you have nothing else to put around him you you can say you're going to put it back together you can say rebuild the relationship it won't work unless there is seismic change um but i think mark could could be right because i think the texans would be dumb enough to just say let's run it back next year and and see what happens um i i think i think for me that's why i think this could work for everyone as long as they get the haul that they require um because i just can see just this being if he stays it it's you know it's temp it's temporary like yeah they have control over it but is he going to play to the level that he he could he can play at there'll always be that question mark for me if he doesn't move yeah and like look i'm gonna keep this short gonna keep it sweet but like i said boys have to get him on as a guest um three scenarios he's not staying and uh, actually hold on hold on hold on i want mark in his final comments to to apologize to the national basketball association for his comment i want him to apologize um a potential doomsday scenario awaits us here boys um i am not going to say what i'll do if that happens one point we haven't talked about this year is jimmy garoppolo Why not? Hmm. But we all know what's going to happen, Colin. We're going to give uh, the Broncos are going to give that 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 team, the Texans, that that guy that played quarterback first against the Saints, 
Jerry Judy because they need a wide receiver. And Drew Locks, we'll fire him in as well. A couple of draft picks, and it's going to happen. We're back, baby. 2021 <laughs> is our year. Um, look, I'll say one thing, and I'll, and I'll just drop the mic for tonight. The Houston Texans gave Brock Osweiler $72 million. He's gone. And it will come out before the end of February. Michael, no. if, if, sorry, Mark, if he does get traded, this potentially could be the biggest, I'd imagine one of the biggest trade, if not the biggest we've seen. Because Mark has touched on it. There's so many teams that need a quarterback. I mean, if Breeze walks away, Saints are going to be in, in the conversation. The 49ers, Eagles, I know they've got a quarterback. But you, could, you could go through 20 teams and put a case together as boy, they need him. So the, the Texans are in a good spot. They could end up with ones for two or three years here. Uh, Michael, I'm not apologising to the NBA. Stars can force their way out of teams in the NBA. They can't in the NFL to the same level. It's just the nature of their collective bargaining agreements. That's the reality. Um, but equally, we're assuming, and this is the problem, we're saying Texans are dysfunctional and then saying, but the most logical and functional thing for them to do would be to trade him for a bunch of picks. I don't trust them to do the functional and logical thing in that regard. But equally, I feel a little bit bad, I'm going to say it, you know, for Rams fans, for Bills fans, for Browns fans, um, for Bucks fans, except for Saints fans, etc. Because we're talking about the Sean Watson when we should be giving really all the credit to the playoff teams who continue on. And we're down to the final eight boys. You know, 32 started, eight remain. This this is where the uh, the excitement generates day in, day out. No, no not for me. I want the Sean Watson. <laughs> I don't care, but this <laughs> Let me just say right now, if we get to Sean Watson, I will drive to Tralee. I will drive to Tralee, and I'll just break lockdown. I'm not going to do that. that. That's not right. I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. If we get to Sean Watson, we're going live immediately. If, if, I tell you what, if Sean Watson gets traded, we're going live immediately without any reconciliation, boys. Tell you what, final points for tonight, 56 minutes in. Whew, Colin, what's up? What do you think ahead of this weekend? Um, I I really am uh, looking forward to that. That Ravens Bills game um, will be absolutely absolutely fascinating. We talked about um, the the brutal kind of chess match that it, we imagined the the Ravens Titans to to be, um, and it it was for for a long time. I mean, the Titans were right up um, in it until um, that you know that inter interception. Um, the all, all of the others there's something in each of the games ne um this coming weekend and look as the browns sh showed us um anyone could win um any what you honestly you look at it and yeah there will be favorites in each of the games but would you be utterly shocked if you know uh, any of those a teams could make it into the championship games for me being the fourth season that we've had the one seed in terms of the week off, it'll be very interesting to see how the Packers and the Chiefs get on and the reaction from them having the week off because we're so used to the one seed and the two seed having the extra week. The two seed have played. It'll be interesting to see if the two seeds can win this weekend, you know, having played this weekend as well. So for me, it's to see how the Pack and the Chiefs start off the games in particular next weekend. Um, and for me, we, we had six wildcard games and we said there's always one, you know, surprise. And we had to wait till the last game of the six to get the real big shock or the real big surprise of wildcard weekend. It's been all about the Browns this weekend, you know, seriously. Ser I can't say it enough times. Um, 18 years of pain or no, 26 years of pain obliterated hopefully in a heartbeat um for them and uh fair play to them and and we will talk more about these games during the show later this week i know but uh good luck to them because i fear they're gonna need it a bit they are everyone's gonna everyone's gonna need it this weekend boys a big team is going to lose and we'll talk about that on saturday and on sunday we're back thursday friday saturday sunday we got a future hall of famer a media presenter and a former nfl head coach different position coach probably a future hall of famer as well uh, and maybe oh, we're he, absolutely he should he should be a, a future hall of famer 
but we can't confirm the lineup until it's all recorded just for the sake of us not embarrassing ourselves. <laughs> Who knows? We could be back on Wednesday, but we're definitely back Thursday, 9 p.m. Hopefully nothing crazy happens in the world, never mind the NFL, between now and then. Been a great start to the year, boys. I hope you all have a lovely evening. And thank you to everybody. Over a 1,000 people watched us on Twitter. I haven't even looked at Facebook. Thank you, everybody. Loads of comments. Really appreciate it. Um, for me, for now, and Michael, Colin, thanks very much. Mark, thanks very much. And Mr. One and Don O'Leary, thank you very much, my friend. Have a good night, lads. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good night. Good night.